Welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and I want to thank you for joining us. We're here on episode 56, and we're going to feature an interview here with John Evans. Just coming up in a few minutes, John is an author of a new fiction book called The Takeaway, but it's going to help you uh, basically be a better storyteller, especially if you're somebody involved in sales or fundraising or any aspect of sort of making the pitch. The best way, John says, is to make a pitch is to ditch the spreadsheets and tell the story. And we're going to hear a little bit about how John helps other people tell the story to make that pitch. Before we get to that, I also wanted to just thank you for being here with us. 56 episodes. I don't know if you've listened to them all or if this is your first one, but there's 55 before, and you can go back and listen to many of them. Now, I was just uh, about two weeks ago before recording this, I was with my friend Evan Ernst. Evan was our guest on episode 22, and we were hanging out uh, two weeks ago in Orlando. And I have to say, uh, Evan was actually somebody I did not know before my podcast. In fact, when we had him on the show, I had never met him in person. We had uh, done it over Skype along with uh, one of his uh, friends, Uh, who was sort of uh, an example of the organization's uh, mission. Uh, His organization is Who We Play For. We had Evan on episode 22, and we've become just great friends since. And, you know, this podcast, one of the reasons I started it was really to help uh, introduce listeners to some of the really amazing people I was coming across already in my life, many entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. And, you know... Many of those people I already knew and wanted to just bring their stories to you through the Agents of Innovation podcast. But as we get got going with this, I started having many other people, some listeners, some other friends, introduce me to people I didn't know. And one of those people was Evan, and I almost forget about that because I feel like I've known him for so long, and we hang out, and we, we actually do so many things together, even though he's sort of all over the place. And so it's kind of cool when we got to reunite two weeks ago And we were out in downtown Orlando uh, having a little fun, and he kept telling people about the Agents of Innovation podcast. And he started subscribing people right there in front of me. And several of those people started writing reviews, which made me think, have you written a review of the Agents of Innovation podcast on iTunes? If you haven't, that would really be awesome. We have 24 reviews. We have five-star rating. It's amazing. But more reviews will help boost this podcast in popularity, and I would love to, by the end of 2019, have 50 reviews. Can we get to 50 reviews? I'm going to keep you guys updated throughout the year. So we're at 24 reviews, and I want to thank Evan Ernst. And if you haven't listened to Evan's story of who we play for, he's still kicking it. We did that interview over two years ago, and he's still going with who we play for. Episode 22 is a great way to hear the story. Also, thank you for following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Thanks for subscribing um, either on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud. And if you haven't written a review, please do that. If you have, thank you so much. So anyway, we're going to get to the story with John Evans here in a minute. But remember, at the end of this episode, we also have a song to play. And that song today is going to be by our episode 55 guest, Andrew Leahy. 
You heard Andrew. We had a very lengthy interview with him. It was really amazing. One of the really coolest interviews we've had, especially with a musician. And today we're going to hear a song by Andrew called Start the Dance. It's actually the first track on his new album, Airwaves. And I really enjoy it and hope you do too. So we'll hear Start the Dance at the end of this podcast. I want to thank you for listening to the Agents of Innovation podcast. And here, coming right up, is John Evans. I want to welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast my good friend, John Evans. Uh, he, we are here in Orlando. John lives right up the road uh, in Winter Springs. And uh, John, thank you for being with us on the Agents of Innovation podcast. Francisco Gonzalez, delighted to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Great. Well, um, John, I know you're an executive director in a, for a consulting unit in a global investment firm, uh, but you're also uh, now the author of your fourth book, which I uh, had uh, the pleasure to read. Thanks for the advanced copy. And it's called The Takeaway, A Raucous Tale About the Art of the Sale. Mm. So uh, it was a really fun read, by the way. But before we get into that, John, uh, uh, let's hear a little bit about you, your story. Um, I understand you grew up here in uh, Winter Park. I sure did, Francisco. I did. And um, I have been drawn to this whole world of persuasion. First, I, I, yeah, I went to school undergrad at University of Florida, then the MBA at University of Miami. And then I had the great fortune of doing a doctoral uh, program out of Pepperdine University in organizational leadership. And what I'm a positive organizational scholar. So what I'm interested in is helping organizations and teams really ascend, create positive energy. And I don't mean that in a willy-nilly way. I mean in a very measurable, empirically-based fashion where we see a team that is hitting on all units, Francisco. And I argue at this day and age that that is actually a competitive advantage because we are selling, we are persuading, we are trying to win over in an extremely commoditized world. So I feel very fortunate, very blessed, great, um, again, University of Florida, English major, left side of the brain, I did the MBA, University of Miami, and then I really took a deep dive. (laughs) I know you had to struggle with the Gators and the Canes. I'm still still struggling. Well, this August, the Gators and the Canes are coming right here to Orlando to play in the first game of the season. So I can't wait. You're going to have a struggle. I'll be on a clear side, the Hurricanes. (laughs) Yes. But uh, but you'll probably be mostly on the Gators side. I would think so. I would think (laughs) so. Yeah. And so my career is really, I'm, I'm interested in persuasion. My, my dad, he taught uh, Yale educated, he, he taught Russian history at University of Central Florida. And I really uh, so appreciated his intellectual contributions to my, my formation and my development. My mom comes from a very entrepreneurial family. And um, I stumbled into this, um, this world of persuasion and persuasion and helping um, organizations be becoming better, more effective at winning hearts and minds. Well, great. Um, well, so a little family background in academia and entrepreneurship. This now helps me understand a little more about what you do and why you're there. But uh, so tell me, with your consulting uh, business, you're uh, often out out there trying to help people learn how to persuade audiences. I know you do a lot of speaking gigs. You were recently in China. A few months ago. Tell us about your experience, the types of audiences and the types of clients you work with and 
and how you go about that. Sure. So I work with financial advisors, financial planners, registered investment advisors the world over. Not only these uh, investment managers, but also their clients. And what my team and I try to bring to bear are ideas that are going to help financial advisors set themselves apart in an otherwise a sea of sameness. Likewise for their clients. Well, so I have a program called The Art of Wow, all about driving deep client loyalty. You know, all too often, Francisco, it's 10% of our clients who are driving 90% of the business, right? It's the old you know, it's statistics 101. I want to ensure, my team and I want to ensure that those 10%, none of them ever leave. <laughs> Again, whether you're philanthropic, whether you're business, irrespective of what you're doing, that we see that uh, that breakdown, that grid in statistics. So we want to first ensure that those 10% never leave. Secondly, we want to make sure that those 10% are doing what? Telling stories about what you do and what you bring and what that team delivers. Um, so they're telling so stories. So giving you a good reputation. That's right, yeah. burnishing the reputation all the while. And that happens when we go beyond the business at hand on a regular, on a regular basis. We all know we need to pursue operational excellence, Francisco. It is critical in any enterprise. What we're going to coach on and what my, my latest book talks about is this idea about systematically going beyond the business at hand for the pursuit of making meaning with clients. Emmanuel Kant, where are you? Eat your heart out, right? <laughs> uh, one quick example of this. I was, I was down in uh, Palm Beach, and um, I, was, I was coaching a uh, financial advisor, um, Jim Mahoney, tremendously successful. And you walk into this office, Francisco, and, and, and the energy in this room is just unmistakable. I mean, people are fully engaged. There's 10, 11 people that I'm engaged with, and I'm there to teach Jim Mahoney and his staff about the art of wow, about increasing the team's capacity for making meaning with clients, right? To get talked about, like Bonnie Raitt sings. Let's give them something to talk right. about, right? I'm not going to sing it now. You're for a your Bonnie business. Raitt fan, aren't you? I am a huge Bonnie Yeah, because she comes up a couple times in your book. <laughs> she does. She does. As well she should. And so I'm doing my coaching, Francisco, and we were supposed to meet for an hour and a half. We spend four hours and 20 minutes together, Jim Mahoney and I and his team going through these programs. And I had just lost my dad uh, recently. And I looked up on the wall and I saw this picture in Jim Mahoney's office in Palm Beach. And it's a magnificent picture of a bear with an enormous trout in his mouth. And the bear is in the Aleutian Islands and Jim Mahoney is a great photographer and he took the picture of the bear. Francisco, I remark, that bear looks like my dad. It just came out of my mouth, almost like a burp. It just came out because I was... I was really just struck by the beauty. And I was in this you know, peculiar state of mind when you lose a parent. I right. was in a haze, right? I say that. Now, think of the irony here, Francisco. So we finish up. We go nearly four and a half hours. I come back to my, my place in Winter Springs. A couple days later, I look up. There's a UPS truck pulling in. All right? And there is a big package the guy's carrying. I'm like, oh, what's that? Open up the package. What is it? It is the bear... Okay, framed from Jim Mahoney and his team with a handwritten note, Francisco, about how great it is to have a great dad. Now, are you kidding me? Now, think of the irony. I'm there teaching him about the art of wow, and he's delivering a wow for me. This is one of the examples why he's so tremendously successful. And he had a great coach and teacher, it looks like. (laughs) Well, I think he was well under his way, on his own way. Now, I'm going to tell you something else. Um, uh, Very recently, uh, we lost Jim Mahoney. Mm. And uh, I got to tell you something. I spent four hours and 17 minutes met with that man. I got the news 
And I literally, I mean, I literally shed a tear, Francisco. I mean, it, it was that impactful because he had made an effort at creating meaning with me. And you know what happened, Francisco? You know what was really instructive? And I want all your listeners to really understand this. When you're earnest about delivering a wow experience, about making meaning like Jim Mahoney did, mm-hmm. I'm going to find a way to help him back. It's called the law of reciprocity. And I want especially your young entrepreneurs to really understand and unleash the power of the law of reciprocity. When somebody is sincere, now sincerity is important here in this, right. in this protocol. It's extremely important. It's turnkey. Without it, if it's not sincere, if we're not keeping it real, Francisco, I'm not interested in it. And then if we have sincerity and we have surprise and you go beyond the business at hand, you're going to get talked about. And guess what? You're going you're to activate this law of reciprocity. I'm going to find ways, and I have, to help Jim Mahoney's practice. His children are running it now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help the Mahoney uh, practice. Great. You've probably read the book Influence by Robert Caldini, uh, The Psychology of Persuasion. I read that many years ago. Good for salespeople, fundraisers, all sorts, but the, he talks about uh, the law of reciprocity, one of the five or six key laws. So it's great that you brought that up there and that you're so focused on it. Um, but yeah, I've scaffolded upon his work at Arizona State. It's really magnificent work. I, and I would say, in all humility, what I, where I want to scaffold, add upon his work is getting clarity on delivering a wow experience because a wow for one person, Francisco, is not necessarily a wow for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's the rub. This is not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. It's not. And so we, there's, there's certain steps we recommend in the book, uh, in the takeaway, to talk for your listeners to understand, to have a plan, to get traction. I love that book. Traction on how to move forward, A, B, C, D, E. And again, improve the chances of driving deep client loyalty and then also replicating our best clients. So let's, uh, you've mentioned the book, I've mentioned the book, The Takeaway, um, A Raucous Tale About the Art of the Sale. Yes. And um, to be honest with you, I read this book in just a few hours. It's yeah. a short book, re- sort of a long, short story, a if you will. long, short story, a fable. And it's, it's really great. It was, you know, and plus because it was a story and it's a fictional story with real <laughs> uh, actionable things that you could be applying to your life and career. Uh, because it was a story it read so much smoother and easier and more comprehensible. And I know people like you, uh, for years I've been hearing you say, uh, tell a story, tell mm-hmm. a story, be a storyteller. You got to you gotta actually, uh, whatever it is you do in life, sales, politics, policy, uh, fundraising, uh, people relate more to a story. And also you get that message and things stick a little clearer. So I think that's what happened when I read this. This really stuck. And it, I didn't want to put it down. It was a really great story mm. and, and not too long. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have uh, long to go uh, to, to want to put it down. But, but you've got some great characters in the story. Tell us a little bit of uh, the plot uh, without giving away any spoilers. You've got to yeah. sell this book. Yeah. Uh, but also uh, the, the sort of the purposes uh, that you're trying to convey. Yeah, sure. So, again, I've been in sales. I've been teaching sales, but teaching persuasion uh, for all my career. I'll do it until I... Until I you know, expire. I just, cause I love, I mean, I can't believe I get paid for it. I really to success. I mean, we are here on planet earth, Francisco, to persuade. Well, we, you and I, every, all, every one of your listeners there, every great person, man or woman persuaded well in his or her career. 
I'm saying, let's figure out how to do this more efficaciously because we're not given a lot of instruction on it. And so this has been, you know, it's been decades of research and writing this book was really a, a hoot because uh, my publisher said, um, Scripter has just been great. And they said, look, nobody's done anything like this where it's a, it's a fable, it's a comedy, mm-hmm. it's humorous. Yes, and it's I awesome. laughed out loud. In fact, I've got in front of me it on my iPad and uh, I'll show you afterwards, but there were multiple times I literally, you know, when you, when you put these things on an iPad or a Kindle, you can you can write like, yeah. on there. Yeah. I wrote several times, LOL, just because I thought it was just so hilarious. So that makes my day hearing yes. that. I've been getting tremendous feedback, and I'm sorry for bragging on your podcast, but I did. I got out of my hot yoga class in Winter Park, Florida, and I was bedraggled and dog-faced Francisco, and I looked down on my smartphone. I got a message from Amazon that my book is number one in sales. Congratulations. Uh, for business development. Yeah. For non-formal business development. So I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just giddy. And I, and everything in that book, I took a cue from uh, Larry David here. I, I read about Larry David quite extensively. I think he's, you know, Seinfeld was just masterful. Mm-hmm. And all those characters that we've enjoyed all those years, they're all real. I mean, it's, that's based right. on real experiences. That's why we all relate to that. Yeah, we can all yeah. relate to it. So likewise in my book, all this stuff really has happened. And I just had so much fun with the protagonist, Nick Fontaine, and Fontaine makes rain. And there he is selling timeshare in Shanghai. And he has created the 5D sales process, Francisco, that you know about. And that is, number one is to detain the client. Number two is to disorient the client. Number three, we are to dominate him or her. And then four or five, demand down payment. So it's, you know, it's a, he's a charlatan. We can all appreciate these charlatans that we experience in industry. And right? he in the book is a timeshare salesman. He is a timeshare salesman. And, you know, salesman. we know a little bit about that in Orlando, right? <laughs> we, we sure do. I, I love that you also, uh, you know, someone who's local here, you've embedded a lot of local familiarity into the story. The world comes to Orlando, so, and the world knows about Orlando time sales uh, salesman. Uh, anyway, but uh, it was kind of cool to see some of that uh, with the local flavor. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, I tell you, I actually discussed our So full disclosure, Francisco, um, I went out to uh, Las Vegas uh, two and a half decades ago and uh, went out there with my, my buddy. And uh, we were partners in this situation where we were told it's not timeshare, it's vacation ownership. Right, Francisco? So this was not going to be high pressure sales. Great. My partner and I are delighted. By the way, my so wait, were you a, a, a timeshare salesperson yourself? <laughs> well, I was told it's vacation. Vacation ownership. ownership. You're, yes. Yes. Okay, but you yes. actually you weren't just buying; you were selling. We, I was selling, and my partner, who went on to become a U.S. congressman for a number of terms, and who will remain anonymous, he did a great job um, as as uh, as, a, as a U.S. congressman. Um, so we went out there, and we were told it's not going to be high pressure sales. Great. But we're going to learn it. We're young. We're in our 20s. We're going to, you know, we're, we've got this great new product with this venerable firm. These things, are just, it's going to sell itself. Well, that was not to be, Francisco. So we get probably 8 or 10 or 12 weeks into the program realize, realizing the product doesn't sell itself. It ha- we have to, quote, unquote, turn up the heat, Francisco. <laughs> and uh, I had this one sales trainer. God bless him. He was well-intentioned. But, you know... I'm sitting in these nice couple, the Murdochs from the Midwest, you know, when we get down to the point where it's time to be closing, right? Always be closing, right? right. Francisco, always be closing. ABC. Ah, oh, gives me nausea. 
And so we get down to the end and I said, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Murdoch, do you want to join up with us today? You know, become an owner today. And they say, the sensible thing. They say, what? We need to think about it. Well, I was told to be armed for that. And my manager, he's over, he's listening to me, Francisco. He's monitoring this whole deal. And so I say to Mr. Murdoch and Mrs. Murdoch from Wichita, Kansas. I remember, th- I remember this so vividly. Okay, Mr. and Mrs. Murdoch, you have to think about it. I understand. You know, there's two kinds of people in this world. They're thinkers and then there's doers. Y'all are obviously thinkers and that's cool. And I was supposed to be doing the takeaway, taking all the PR material away, right? Pulling it off the table, right? To try to induce them, inspire them, catalyze them into buying right now, you know? And Mr. Murdoch, I'll never forget, just looked up at me and goes, look at this, Betty. This guy just turned into a knucklehead. And I said, thank you. And I got up and resigned and came back to Florida. And uh, I'm so, so you, you fortunate you, for that moment. You didn't want to continue a career as Nick Make It Rain Fontaine. That's right. I did not want to be a charlatan. That is being a, that's sophistry, as the Greeks say, where you're trying to manipulate to get people to separate from their money. Right. This approach, the takeaway, what this book is all about is authentic salesmanship, keeping it real. It's about purity of purpose, Francisco. Because when you have that, when you line up, things get really powerful and things get nuclear really quickly. You'll also hear in the book, I work, uh, one of my mentors is Dr. Jim Lair, who founded the Human Performance Institute in Lake Nona here in Orlando. And um, they teach stress, stress management um, for the CIA, FBI hostage rescue, elite athletes, uh, business people. And uh, you're going to hear some, some great information in the book about how to manage stress well. Okay, because when we, when we focus on our ultra, ultimate mission, when we get clarity on why we do what we do, and we're making sure we're putting rituals in place Francisco, to keep us online, that ultimate mission, guess what? We actually relieve stress. It's in the mental and emotional dimensions. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And when you were getting back, when you were talking earlier about sort of, you know, these, this couple or, or any kind of person trying to sell something to uh, that Nick Fontaine yes. uh, attitude was sort of to manipulate them, to right? manipulate them. But at the end of the day, even if they were to buy as you sort of demonstrate in your book, if they felt later that they were manipulated, right. and they're going to feel that way if they were, right. they're not going to be a long-term customer. That's right. And also, they're not going to say very nice things. That's right. Uh, Yelp isn't going to be friendly to you. That's right. Yelp is not going to serve you well. That is called an anti-wow experience. And when you dupe somebody, right, when you're the charlatan and you're successful resentment's coming about and resentment's the worst thing in the world for a brand because it's so hard to undo. So our message is here. And you know what, Francis, let me be very clear. I own Timeshare (laughs) and I love it. I have a fixed week in Park City. All right. March 2 to March 9. Every year I go out there with my kids. There's the irony there. The The product does perform well when presented accurately and authentically, right? And genuine sales. And my person several years ago, who brought it to my attention. She was fabulous. She was fabulous. And she didn't do any takeaways. Did she own a timeshare? She owned a timeshare herself. Yeah. Because that was my first question. I'm like, this deal's just not happening unless you own it. Right. If you're you're, you're not buying into what you're selling. If you don't own what you sell, you shouldn't be selling that. Right. 
So and, and so I think that's interesting. And, you know, as somebody who, who works in philanthropy as a mm. fundraiser, oh, yeah. one of the things I was always taught, too, was are you a donor to the organization you're trying to raise money for? Right. And if you're not, why not? Do you not believe in it that much? That's right. So you, I think you've got to uh, be all in as yes. well uh, with, with that. So I think you can apply some of this. In a, in a lot of different ways, sales, fundraising, uh, but any, any, any kind of organization or company that has clients and customers. Right. And, and then involving, so tell me a little bit more about uh, the mom, M-O-M-M, yeah. ma- making moments of meeting. Right. Or I don't know, yeah, I so got the, that mixed up. Yeah, so the curriculum that's been evolving with my team and me over these last number of years, and you know the best thing about this curriculum? We've learned it in the trials of the marketplace, Francisco. In other words... This isn't some academic lab which thing, where things are theoretical. This is real world going in front of the client in a very stressful industry, investment management. And we got to get it right. And you know what? We got it wrong a lot. And we fail. But we know now there's certain steps to take. If you and your team are, are interested in having more energy for yourselves, have a greater sense of an ultimate mission, and have a heightened ability to to create these moments of meaning-making. Mom. <laughs> All comes back to mom. And if you turn mom up, upside down, what does that spell? Right. Wow. You know, so... It, uh, it's upside right. down. <laughs> upside down. <laughs> Not wow. backwards. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. You're one step ahead of me. Uh, that's what we're looking to do. We're looking to ex- helping the team, catalyze the team, to expand their capacity for meaning-making. And that does three things. Like I said at the top of the hour here, Number one, it helps you solidify with your existing clients. Number two, it helps you replicate your, your best clients. But number three that I haven't mentioned yet, one of the most important things in organizational leadership is culture. Mm-hmm. Culture. And we hear these lines, Francisco, in our careers, don't we? Culture is not the main thing in business. Culture is the only thing. Oh, that's a good one. Or how about this one? Uh, culture eats strategy for lunch. Whoa, how dramatic, right? So my question defaults to how do we make a better culture? And, it, and I, I'm going to suggest one of the ways we do that is by purpose beyond self. I'll mm-hmm. say that again for the listeners. Purpose beyond self. Now, listen, we all need to make money. I'm a fan of capitalism. I am against Bernie Sanders. I love William F. Buckley. My dad went to Yale with him. And so I'm great to be on this, 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 this podcast with you. Uh, and I love capitalism. And we have to go beyond the business at hand on a, regular biz- on a regular basis to make meaning with clients if, we wanna, if we're earnest about improving our culture. So give me some examples of how someone can make meaning with a client. Excellent. Okay, so when I was writing this a number of years ago, I was out, at, uh, I was out in Los Angeles and uh, I was with Marcus Tanamoto. And the Tanamoto team, they're just fabulous. They're with a major investment management firm. They're probably one of the more, not probably, they are one of the more successful, top 10 successful firms in California. Uh, They're Japanese-American, first generation, the father. And I'm doing a presentation to philanthropic executives on this concept, what we're talking about. Art of wow, moments of meaning-making. Beautiful view, overlooking the Pacific Ocean, Francisco. And I'm I'm talking to these folks, again, all philanthropic executives. There are some 22 or 25 of them. And I start telling a story about how I love to coach Little League back in Winter Park, Florida. And I love coaching 10-year-olds. And one of my heroes is John Wooden. 
the great basketball coach, men's basketball coach for UCLA. And Francisco, as soon as I said John Wooden's name, I looked at Marcus Tanamoto and I saw his face turn. And I thought to myself, my little bubble cloud was, oh my gosh, you know, this is not good. I was alarmed because this is one of our most important clients in California and he doesn't look happy. <laughs> so I'm just kind of trying to proceed. Marcus finally steps forward and he says, stop the meeting. Now I'm, I'm, I'm very alarmed, you know, <laughs> right? This is it. You know, what's going on? Why does he want to stop the meeting? Marcus pulls out his cell phone, says, excuse me, John, I need to make a call to somebody. And so he pulls out his cell phone so everybody in the room can hear it, right? 22, 25 people, whatever. Dials a number, speed dial. Hi, Coach Wood gets a voicemail. Hi, Coach Wooden. It's Marcus calling. Just wanted to say hi and let you know that I have a gentleman here named John Evans who wants to tell you about his Little League team, <clears throat> excuse me, in Winter Park, Florida. Please call John at, he's holding my business card and he's reading the number, 407-620, da-da-da. I'm thinking to myself, Wait a second, what? You know, like, Wooden is my hero, right? I mean, we've got, like, pictures of Jesus up and the Buddha <laughs> up, maybe a picture of Francisco somewhere, I don't know. And John Wooden is up there, too, right, at home. And he's going to be calling me? And I, wait a second, I'm teaching moments of meaning-making, the art of wow, to them? What? What the heck is going on here? You know what I mean? Right. So I stare at my phone, Francisco, for the next two days in L.A. Like, what am I going to say to the venerable John Wooden, you know? Hey, I scored 20 a game for Trinity Prep in 1985. You should have called me, you know? Or I like writing, po writing poetry, too. I was a nervous wreck. Now, I don't expect your listeners to believe this, but you just never trust anybody who says trust me, like Fontaine would say. Right. But trust me. Uh, this is unbelievable. But the next day, John Wooden passed away. Now, I had no, what, I had no idea that Tatana Meadows had been managing his account for years and years, and they're extremely close. Wow. I had no idea. And I'm teaching wow to them, and they're wowing me. So you ask for an example, that's an example, right? And it's just about Steve Jobs says, think different. You should say to think differently, but, you know, he's Steve Jobs. You can say what he wants. Think different about how you're engaging with your clients. We all have these abilities. I'm looking for interpersonal creativity. I want your, uh, your listeners to write that down. Interpersonal creativity. Finding ways to connect to make meaning like nobody else can. And it's got to be sincere. And there's got to be surprise. This will grow your business or your enterprise with tremendous velocity. Tatamoto team is a walking wow machine. There's just... So it's like my friend down in the, the team down in Palm Beach, same deal there. They're wowing me. And see, we all have these unique relationships, resources. We all have unique abilities to wow. We, I just want to get you thinking that way. So really, yeah, searching for how can, you know, getting, and this is a little bit also, you got to get to know and get to learn your client, your mm. customer, their interests. Oh, yeah. Uh, the more you get to know about them, the more you can then start to connect those dots. That's right. You know, now you're a very uh, personal guy. When you walked into, uh, was it John's uh, office with the bear? Oh, Jim's office. Jim. Yeah, Jim. Palm Beach, yeah. Jim, Jim Saunders. Jim Mahoney. Oh, I'm connecting okay. so many names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Mahoney's office. Uh, and he, and you, you, you made a mention and he just picked up on that one little detail. Right. And, 
boom, he, he made a connection for you that wowed you. That's right. Uh, this guy, luckily, while you were in the middle of a presentation out there, uh, you mentioned John Wooden's name and, well, that he had the connection and, and he was going to wow you because who can't be wowed if John Wooden's going to plan to call you. Uh, so those were just little details. Those guys picked up really fast. Right. But you could probably, um, in some research about your clients or, or even just personal conversations, uh, try to pick up on something and then connect them with something that maybe ties them back to you or your business. Yeah, here's some tips. Here's what we know works. Number one is you got to find a chief experience officer for your team. A CXO. What is it? What, tell me what a chief, chief exper- experience officer or a wow czar, okay, for instance, or czarina, okay, or clientologist. I got a million of these names. Mm-hmm. But what, what matters is we empower this person, and she or he has what? Really good emotional intelligence. They're tremendous listeners. Because you're exactly right. They're just operating on what? Information. And if, lo- if, if real estate is all about location, 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 Francisco, this kettle of fish delivering a tremendous client experience is all about information, information, information. So what my team and I, we're going to coach is we got to a point. We got to find that person with high EI, high emotional intelligence. They know how to anticipate and satisfy the client's unstated need. That is humongous, humongous. Okay. Yeah, so, and, and then one other bit, yeah, I'm sorry, one other uh, quick bit is we're going to appoint this person and we're going to have regular meetings. It's called, we call it a wow, wow audit. We're going to talk, highlight two or three or four people and come up with ways to make meaning. It's all about interpersonal creativity. This is the race. You know, the bots are coming. Artificial intelligence is here. I say, awesome. Because my clients, you know, the ones that are really engaging in this, they're flourishing. This is humanity 101. If we're keeping it real, we're earnest, we're sincere, and we show surprise. Yeah, so uh, chief experience officer. Now, when you talk about this kind of person on your team, Mm -hmm. so you have... You have lots of different personality types. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is dialed in so emotionally, which is uh, why it's probably important to have different personality types on your team. Right. Uh, and then also, uh, I really like to, you know, we're going to a lot of automation mm-hmm. right now. In some ways, Google or Amazon or some of these companies, Facebook maybe, can figure out people's interest and mm-hmm. can... And you get these little ads that you might run, you know, yeah. you're, uh, you're listening to something on Pandora or Spotify and all of a sudden there's a product being marketed to it's you, and you, just, and you just did a search for this product yeah. the other day or something, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, creepy, a little automation, but human beings uh, are, we're going to have that extra sixth sense that the computers don't have. And that's a way to, to compete with computers, but also to compete with other uh, um Businesses. That's right. That's right. And we, again, I just, I cannot possibly overemphasize that sincerity is the, is central here. Sincerity is it. I mean, you know, let's eat a look. William F. Buckley, one one of the reasons, I mean, the namesake of your great organization, the philanthropic things you guys are doing, it's awesome. That guy on Firing Line, however many shows he had, 1,200 shows, was incredibly sincere. William F. Buckley was, I mean, you could disagree with him. And want to, and want to, you know, joust with them, 
But that sincerity was there. And I'll argue that show was wow. It had tremendous impact. And so that's the first thing I would say for on the team is you, you gotta be, you've got to believe in what you're doing. You, you just, and if you don't believe in it, thankfully we work in a, in a society where we have options. You know, you can yeah. get to some place where you're wholehearted. Love that word, wholehearted. And you are all in. And with respect to the team, yeah, we need different personality types. Um, you'll see this in my book, in the takeaway, how I, I talk about how the, that wow czar or that chief experience officer, she or he, they need to be um, a driver. They, 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 they're results-oriented. They're also very social, and they're very good listeners, right? Stay away from the person who says, oh, I, this sounds great. You know, I'm a people person. Well, people person's great. That's half of it. <laughs> the other half is execution. Because let me be very clear. This is disruptive, right? This is going to be disruptive to your day. People who are very analytic and very process-oriented, they don't like this because they want to go. Engineers, don't want, they want to go do their work and they want no surprises. This is all about surprise. We're expanding our team's capacity to surprise. Well, you've also got to cut through the clutter, right? And we live in a day of we all get tons of emails. Um, we rarely answer our phones. We get a lot of text messages. I think about almost half the time my phone rings, it's a telemarketer. <laughs> and they're three, they're te- five, ten seconds into their spiel, and it sounds so impersonal. Right. No, thank Contrived. you. You know, uh, you can just hear the script being read. Uh, so it's cutting through a lot of that clutter. Uh, and, and so let's go back to your book. I noticed that you, uh, this book, The Takeaway, a raucous tale about the art of the sale, uh, you said this book is written for every poor sap who has to had to endure a day of terrible sales training. And of course, <laughs> I laughed when I read that because we've all endured uh, those things. And you know, look, some of those sales trainings uh, we certainly have helpful tips, things we remember, but also a lot of just wasted time. And tell me uh, again why you wrote this book and maybe some of the last couple takeaways from the takeaway. Yeah, yeah, we had like double entendre there. The takeaways great pickup. Um, I wrote this book because I was that poor sap who endured a terrible sales training. And I know it's pandemic across the globe. I'm seeing it. I'm doing these lectures all around the world. And it's, it is a, there is a real dearth of high quality persuasion that's going on. Um, the world is, is clamoring for this. Um, we have a process again that my team and I have developed over years that with some grit you know, and some also with a blend of academic theory. I'm always, I'm always working close with academic biggies on this, but I want to blend academia with shoe gum salesmanship. You know, what's happening on the street. For example, um, I had the great fortune of working with the late great Roger Fisher, who founded the book, uh, who wrote the book "Getting to Yes." Mm-hmm. Who founded the Harvard Negotiation Project, and I had a couple of just incredibly incisive interviews with him where I was just illuminated on this whole idea of persuasion and asking asking people for their advice. One of the takeaways I want your listeners to, to, to glean from this talk is that after you have, we mentioned the law of reciprocity, when you, we call it activating a client genuinely, you activate them with the law of reciprocity. We want you to circle back and then ask that person for advice on how to grow the enterprise with other great people just like them. 
Well, great. Yeah. This is really great. Uh, the book was fantastic. I'll give you uh, a little bit of my review uh, for our audiences. First of all, what I loved about this book was instead of being written as a how-to manual uh, of improving uh, how to sell your product to your customers, uh, the takeaway is really written as a story because that's how you, John Evans, uh, are really trying to convey and make your case to your audience is that they need to make their case to their customer through storytelling. And like you said, creating moments of meaning making, uh, having wow, um, and, and you, you explain these concepts through your characters talking about them, which is really great, but really in a very fun and entertaining and humorous way. Uh, also, you know, you're sort of, uh, tell me if I'm characterizing this right, but uh, you're sort of telling your clients um, to sort of ditch these PowerPoints and these spreadsheets mm. and, and tell, tell the stories to the customers. And through that story, um, we must be passionate as well about the product we're selling. In some ways, in this timeshare uh, uh, salesman story, they're being asked by another person outside their company who's sort of consulting Maybe that's the John Evans today. Uh, who are who are you selling this to, and, and are you buying your product as well? Right. And so these uh, people have to look back at themselves, and so you're also uh, doing that. And I know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, as someone who engages in philanthropy, and I know that donors must also feel my passion about the cause or the organization I'm trying to sell. If I'm not passionate, whether I know it or not the donors will not sense that passion mm. or they will also sense that there's, you know, there's lack of passion. So, yeah. um, so that's, you know, that's, I think important, uh, that your customer, your donor, your prospective customer needs to really sense your enthusiasm, um, or they're going to sense your lack thereof. Mm. Uh, so I think that's important. And, I, and I've, I've seen this and heard this from many different organizations and people. Uh, so, um, I think this, this, this story could really help somebody be personally transformative in how they're they're doing that. And really, at least think differently. So, yeah. Thank you for writing it. Um, it's available on Amazon uh, right now. As you mentioned, it's the number one uh, book, uh, non formal business education book on Amazon, and that's great. Congratulations, and it just came out. Yeah, so, thank you, Francisco. Thank uh, you so so it's the, so people can go to Amazon, type in the Takeaway by John Evans. Uh, you'll find it there. I downloaded it to my. Uh, iPad, Kindle app, all that stuff. Uh, so, John, one of the last things I want to ask you about, this is something probably on the last 15 episodes or so of my uh, Agents of Innovation podcast here. I had come across a book last year by uh, the U.S. Senator Ben Sass uh, called The Vanishing American Adult. Uh, book hmm. is less about politics, more about culture. But one of the things he asks, uh, he says he likes to ask people when he meets them to learn more about them. And I thought this question would be perfect for the entrepreneurs we have on this podcast is what was your first job? Mm. Oh, so I was cleaning dishes on Park Avenue at uh, uh, Top – what was the name of that restaurant on Park Avenue in Winter Park, Florida? Top Shelf Top. Oh, my gosh. It was great. I was 14 years old, and I loved it. And I had a boss who just whooped my behind, and uh, I wanted to quit. My mom's like – that ain't happening. <laughs> and I rode my bike up there and, uh, it was just, it was, it was a great experience. Uh, the other one I enjoyed at going through school, uh, an undergraduate, I had a paint company. We were GIO paints Francisco, cause we were the paint company that could 
get it on. <laughs> I thought it was a GI Joe <laughs> minus the J, but okay. We were only you say you were fifteen or sixteen. We were only upstate. This is in University of Florida, so oh, you this know, is eighteen college. to twenty-one. Yeah, and we were only upsta- upstaged by one competitor, and that was Anarchy Paints. A bunch of college kids. Uh, we don't pay taxes, so we pass the savings right on down to you. That's great. Yeah, that's pretty good stuff. They were out of business pretty fast. They, were, I, you know, <laughs> they flourished for a while, you know, libertarians. <laughs> Anyways, I, seriously, having those jobs is just great. Having, having to deal with the customers. My son plays in a, in a funk band. He's 18. His name is Ike. He plays in East Coast Railway. And for him to go out and he has to sell his band, he's got to go talk to these bar owners around Central Florida. And it's just great, you know, because he's what? He's learning his storytelling, Francisco. My son is learning how to tell stories about his band that's and great. win people over. So that's something, to your point, you know, the vanishing uh, American adult. I, I think there's kind of like an, a vanish, vanishing, really high-quality pers- person of persuasion. I mean, this is, this is something to be it's genuine and true. And it's to be embraced. And we are to learn and we're to be students of this for the rest of our career. And I'll just finish with this, Francisco. And again, I really appreciate you having me on the show today. But... Life's not about how many breaths you take. Life's about how many times you take somebody else's breath away. Life's not about, wow. how, many, life's not about how many breaths you take. Life's about how many times you take somebody else's breath away. That's germane to your business or your enterprise. Well, that's great. And I hope that members of our audience's breath was just being taken away by that. Uh, it was a great, uh, great statement. A uh, lot, lot to learn here from John Evans. Uh, I want to thank you, John, for being on the Agents of Innovation podcast. And for those of you who are listening, uh, hopefully you're subscribed to the podcast on iTunes and, or Stitcher or SoundCloud. But also we have a Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. And we will be also writing an article here uh, uh, that will appear on the ag- at agentsofinnovation.org about John and his story and all the links that you can get his book and everything. So be sure to visit agentsofinnovation.org and follow on all those social media pages. Also, John, one of the things we do... Um, is three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, we're going to be following you on all these platforms. And we're going to also retweet and share what you're up to as we do. So uh, we've had like 55 episodes before you, uh, and we still follow uh, all the way back to episode one, some of the people we've had over the last three years. And what we like to do with that is keep the listeners here up to date on the people they've already heard from and hopefully... Everybody's uh, listening has already listened to all 55 episodes. But hey, the great thing about podcasts is you can go back if you missed any. Yeah, that's really wise, Francisco. Yeah. Well, thank you, John, uh, for for being with us. And, And any last parting words? Keep WOW alive, Francisco. Let's Let's roll. We will keep WOW alive. Thanks, John.
to miss Did we save our dancing days for this The final chance to clear the dust is now for us to miss Keep my eyes wide 